Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Blog Talk Radio. Hi, I'm Ryan Tannehill, quarterback from the Miami Dolphins, and I represent the Fence Sider with the PH. Third down and five. At the Washington 22-yard line, Jim Mandich has come in, replacing Mara Fleming at tight end. And Tully and Warfield split off the near side. The Dolphins haven't used any of their timeouts. Clock moving with 33 seconds. Greasy drops to throw. He sets up. He is firing in the corner. Mandich, he makes a tremendous catch. Did he hold on to it? He did. Out of bounds at the three-yard line. Holy Toledo, what a play by the third-year man for the University of Michigan, Jim Mandich. I'm joined by James Fiera, Aaron Sutton, and behind the scenes, James McKinney. We are back. This is our third episode of the all-new Finsider Radio. And again, we thank you for joining us. We have hit record numbers in the past several weeks. We grew from last week by 766 listeners. So that number is going to keep on growing as we go through preseason, as we start the season, and as we celebrate a Miami Dolphins win every single week. Um, 17 and 0, that is our target this coming season. So to begin to begin this week's podcast, like Two I mentioned. Out. <laughs> yeah, like like I mentioned last week, what we're going to be doing is the opening monologue um, with, with my rant, let's say, with my me and my soapbox. And my soapbox this week is the Hall of Fame game. And we all saw what a disaster that was with the paint on the field, with the pebbles coming up out of the surface, basically being tar and concrete. And I received a little bit of flack a few days before the Hall of Fame game where I had said 
something of the sorts that the Dolphins canceling the night scrimmage for the fans was bad PR. And a few fans uh, came after me on Twitter. And my whole point was this. If you're going to have a night scrimmage in South Florida in the middle of summer, you need to have a backup for everyone that travels. I got tweets from fans that said they traveled several hours to the practice just to turn around and go back home. So the, the thing is what happened leading up to that result. And that's the whole thing that I'm trying to get at. What was the process um, with the dolphins? They have the indoor facility. Absolutely. They don't have any seating inside of there for whatever reason. I'm not sure. Probably too expensive. I've been in the bubble several times. There is plenty of room on the sidelines for the dolphins to make seating if they wanted to. There aren't, there's definitely not enough to match the outside seating, but the Dolphins can certainly do something to recreate the outside environment inside. And it would be good for the fans and make sure that this don't happen. A regular practice, okay, I get it, which happened uh, last week. A scrimmage, though, and, you know, that's really kind of the Dolphins, the fans are really looking forward to some, quote, unquote, real football. And then you cancel it. That bothers me a little bit. But really, my point now goes to the Hall of Fame game. There were several reports in previous years where the field in Canton was bad. We saw the Steelers kicker um, get injured. He tore his ACL last year on that field. Another player trying to make the roster injured himself for the season. And they had a whole year to fix it, to address it, and they didn't. And the process leading up to that, why wasn't that taken care of? Why wasn't that looked at? Why wasn't everything put into place to make sure that kind of stuff didn't happen again? The NFL is refunding their tickets. Yes, people travel. People travel the day of the game only to go right back home. They, they sent out Lee Greenwood to put on a concert. I mean, come on. Lee Greenwood on one hand, the NFL game on the other hand. Who are we kidding here? Yes, it's a preseason game, but the fact is the fans paid good money for this. Uh, up close view of the players because it's a high school stadium. It's just a bad look for the NFL, especially because they've had problems in the past with this field and they just didn't get the job done. And it's a common theme for the NFL and their public relations department to just continually seems like making all the wrong moves. Um, I don't know how they fix it. I don't know if they're ever going to fix it, but something needs to be done. And I know people were talking about, well, it's the same thing as a rain delay. It's really not a rain delay in a baseball game. You, you expect it. You look at the weather. You kind of know that it's a possibility if it's bad weather. Football game, you don't show up expecting there to be tar on the football field. And then they cancel the game. minutes before. And the worst part about it, before I move on, the worst part about it is that they didn't even tell people until about 8 o'clock. So it's just, it just gets worse on so many levels. And I could talk all night about this because I work in public relations. And this kind of thing are disasters. Um, but... You know, I'm sure all of you have your thoughts calling tonight. Let's talk about it. Let's vent because I need to vent just because it's my job and what I do. And I just need to get it off my chest. I need a beer right about now. All right, moving on to the, uh, moving on <laughs> to the Dolphin scrimmage that I just referred to. Uh, Adam Gase, the first thing you notice is the intensity level. I think the last time we were in it, we had probably the breast practice, and he's talking about the bubble. The breast practice that I had seen in a while, intensity, just the way the guys are flying around and hitting. This practice, which was the scrimmage, the defense went to another level. They took even more than what they did last time. And then offensively, there was just no juice whatsoever. It was almost just like a walkthrough. When asked to explain the performance of the offense, 
Gates said he'll need to review the film, but reiterate, it reiterated his concern. There was just no juice. He continued, it irritates me. You get to practice one time a day, and you get a limited amount of practices, and how many times you get to be in pads. He said he thinks it's like 22 padded practices for the whole year. Do not take advantage of that. That's bothersome. Radio, we saw the reports. Fans are off the cliff right now. Either can jump off the cliff with them for us or rescue them and bring them back on top. What do you have for us? Well, I think the uh, the theme of last week's show definitely applies here. Um, let's try and avoid the overreaction theater. Um, it was the very first scrimmage uh, for the offense using the new playbook, learning the new system. There are some new guys on the line and, uh, you know, in the backfield. So um, there's, there's a lot of moving parts. It's very, very early. I don't think it's time to panic quite yet, not to mention – um, there are some just absolute beasts over on the, on the defensive side of the ball for this team. So um, it's pretty typical from what I understand for the defense to be coming out, um, you know, as the stronger side at the beginning of, of training camp. So that's not too alarming. Uh, one of the things I heard come out was that the offense was not even going, the number ones weren't even going against the number ones on defense. Uh, so that was a little troubling, but um, still at the same time, it's it's a process. They're gonna they're gonna learn. They're gonna improve. Um, you know, there's some some really talented players on the offensive side of the ball. I really believe this is the best offensive line we've had in you know a, a very long time. Um, and I I like what they have at the skill positions. Um, you know, I think it's gonna come together. Gase is a smart guy. He'll figure it out. Um, I'm hoping it's more of our defense actually coming together and and just being you know a much stronger unit this season than they were last season um you know the new system in place putting guys in uh you know the better positions to succeed than the uh the defense that we started out running last year which was a lot more vanilla from what i understand um so i'm, I'm hoping those those are the factors that uh that really uh went into it um definitely a little concerning but uh like i said try to avoid the overreaction theater here um, it's one week into training camp. So uh, let's, uh, let's uh, just uh, relax and we'll, we'll see how they do uh, on Friday night. Yeah, I agree. You know, it's, again, going back to the theme of last week, like you said, it's uh, we're not overreacting and anybody that's had any kind of work with stats or research of any kind knows what a very, 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 very small sample size is worth. And that's a huge pile of crap. So we really just need to take, a, you know, continue to take a fluid approach with all this, and and see how these players develop and what positions these coaches can put them in to see what they're capable of. Um, the the lack of effort that seemed to permeate from Adam Gase when he was doing his press conference, I mean, you could really see the the nostrils were kind of flaring and he was, he was pretty angry and you could see it. And I, I like how transparent he was about that. Um, so that kind of hurt my feelings in a big way. Like, you know, trying to seal position and everything. It was a pretty big deal, but um, also, you know, the lack of rhythm uh, seemed to interfere with some of the stuff. And that's why, you know, he kept saying, we just couldn't get the juice, you know, anytime they had any kind of play whatsoever, it would be, um, met with penalties and just poor other plays surrounding that, just couldn't get the momentum going. Um, but, again, we haven't played a preseason game yet. 
we should approach it like the coaches and not make quote unquote final decisions until, you know, they're close to making cuts. So um, again, take a fluid approach with all this. Yeah. And you know, that, that was a good point too there Sutton. You know, it's, I was actually, it was actually kind of refreshing to see a coach visual, visibly upset and irritated. It's uh, it's been a while since we've had that type of presence, uh, you know, down here uh, in, in Dolphin land. So that's, uh, that's really good. You know, I take that as a positive. Um, I, I, I like that Gase is taking these things personally. Um, but at the same time, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I'm much more concerned about the, uh, the, uh, the comic book universe for the uh, DC comics, because I went to go see suicide squad this weekend. And that was awful. That was the worst movie <laughs> I think I have ever seen in my entire life. You, you know, found football, a way. You found a way to get that into the podcast. Nice I, job. Yeah, I mean, I was the, I, honestly, I'm, I'm much less concerned, much less concerned about the Dolphins' offense at this point than I am about the uh, the DC comic book universe in the uh, in the movies. That movie, Suicide Squad, made Batman versus Superman look like Citizen Kane. It was that bad. It was awful. So, save your money, folks. Don't go see that one and uh, cut the Dolphins' offense some slack. Give them some time to. To learn and, uh, and and catch up, and we'll we'll be uh, we'll be all right, I think, on offense this year. Yeah, um, well, like like you guys all mentioned, every everything that's going on there. Again, Dolphins are learning a new offense. I know that's the excuse, right? Everyone wants to say, well, that's just an excuse. It's not an excuse. Adam Gates is so it's a lot going on because he tries to throw everything at you at once, sees how much the team can handle, then he backs down a little bit, and we kind of seen that going on here. Um, I'm going to play a clip, and I just want to get, give you guys some perspective on, on this and what's going on. But listen in. Let me play this clip for you, and we'll kind of go back a little bit. Camarillo comes in motion, but here's time of the formation. Lemon back to throw. Got time over the middle. Camarillo's got it. 40. He might 30. Score. He may go. The thing's going in. The Bobby Dolphins have it. What Absolutely beautiful when he caught that pass to beat to beat the Baltimore Ravens. I remember me. I'm sitting on my sofa. Uh, I jumped on top of it. I almost smacked my head on the fan. Almost got beheaded. But Dan, that was a great game, right? <laughs> but the reason why I play that, uh, the Dolphins went two and two that preseason. They beat the Jaguars 18 to 17. They beat the Chiefs 11 to 10. They lost 31 to 28. Very close game. And then the fourth really cares about, but they lost seven to zero and yeah those are all close games but the point of the matter is that was cam cameron as the head coach if you remember they won one game that was the only game they won so putting all this stock into training camp into preseason i remember everyone talking about how how the dolphins were looking pretty good how cam cameron was making his assistant coaches fail forward fast let's say and put them in position to call the game in case for whatever reason anything ever happened to him uh, John Beck was the quarterback. Oh, geez, what a disaster. Uh, Lorenzo oh. Booker was the was the run, first running. Oh, Jesus. Marty Booker, Ted Ginn Jr., remember that one. Um, Aaron Halterman was a tight end. Who the hell is that? Just this. This team was awful to begin with. Uh, they did have Zach Thomas, but he got hurt. 
and ended up being out for the season. But the point is, don't put too much stock into preseason. Uh, we know we want to. Remember, the Dolphins went 4-0 under Joe Philbin once, and then look what happened during the regular season. We're going to start preseason on Friday night against the New York Giants in MetLife Stadium. And whether the Dolphins win or lose, that's not what it's about. What we really need to be looking for are different things, and we're all going to talk about what we're going to be looking for. Me personally, here's three things that I'm looking for. The first thing I'm going to be watching is Ryan Tannehill in the limited amount of time that he's going to play. I'm going to watch him, how he's thinking in the pocket, how he's processing things, how his footwork is, how his uh, pocket presence is, because those were all weaknesses coming into this year that he's built up. I'm not going to look at how many passes he completed and how many touchdowns he threw, but really how much is he grasping the offense? How much is he communicating with his receivers, with his running backs, and how much everyone is understanding the offense as a whole? And that begins with Ryan Tannehill. The second thing I'm going to watch is the offensive line, and not really the offensive line as a whole. We know Brendan Albert can play. We know that uh, Mike Pouncey can play. We know that Juwan James can play. When Laramie Tunsil, Laramie Tunsil gets in the game, I'm going to be watching him, whether he plays in the first unit of series, which he may, but more likely the uh, second uh, team. The third team is left tackle. We'll see what they do there. But I'm going to watch him, how his speed are with the left guard position, how he's punching the guys in the chest, and how he's really handling the pressure that we see in the NFL. And a third thing I'm going to watch, which I'm sure everyone's going to watch, is the play of the cornerbacks. How is Byron Maxwell handling it? How is Vance Joseph scheming? And I don't think we're going to see a lot because it is the preseason. It's the first game. We don't want to reveal too much, especially with a huge opponent in the Seattle Seahawks week one. But the Dolphins defense is meant to attack. I want to see what the cornerbacks are doing, how they're playing. And then the young guys behind uh, Byron Maxwell, because we saw Chris Culliver get signed today. We're going to talk about him a little later on. But really, the depth of the cornerback position, can the Dolphins survive this season at cornerback? There are many questions. There are many legitimate questions that goes beyond panicking because they're real questions that can last throughout the entire season and stuff that isn't about learning a new defense or whatever. Uh, so that's really going to be an interesting part of it. Sutton, what are you going to be watching? Give us two or three things. Yeah, uh, I mean, we're going to see the, the first team for probably a drive or two, uh, maybe three, depending on the situation. But we're going to be looking at a lot of adept players. So this is going to be kind of important for, you know, the bottom of the barrel, turning, turning that out and seeing what's going on with uh, some, of the, some of the players that are, are hovering around the roster bubble there. Um, and it kind of funnels into a question that, that Strange had on the live thread, and, you know, he just came right out and said, you know, what are you specifically looking for Friday night? Friday night specifically, I'm looking to drink a few beers, watch the Dolphins win about 28 to nothing, watch some of our young guys step up and, and prove that they are worthy of being on the field and we might actually have something with them, and then hopefully maybe have sex with my wife. What the hell was that? I hope you. I hope you. <laughs> hey, do. he said specifically Friday night. Oh, general for me, so oh I had God. to take advantage of that. Well, if you're looking for that stuff, I think she might be looking for something else once that starts happening. <laughs> uh, radio, what are you looking forward to, to? To holy crap, this show is completely <laughs> off the rails. Shut it down. Take us off the air. We are done. Radio, what are you looking for? Two or three things. Oh man, you know I'm I'm gonna be I'm gonna be honest here. Uh, I'm not a big uh, preseason guy. I mean, I'm definitely gonna watch the games. 
Um, I last year was the first year that I actually tried to put some stock into what I was seeing, and it just uh, the, as soon as the regular season started, everything I thought I saw from from this team in the preseason meant absolutely nothing because they were just hot garbage at the beginning of last year when the regular season started. Um, so uh, honestly, I'm looking forward to just watching a football game and like having football back. Um, you know, when the, uh, the the third and fourth string guys start getting in there pretty quickly. Um, you know, it's uh, <laughs> not a lot of attention is going to be paid by me, quite honestly. Um, but I am, you know, I'm interested to see what the defense looks like. I'm, I'm you know, interested to see if they can stop the run. Um, interested to see if the offensive line can protect. But uh, once again, last season in the preseason, they checked all those boxes off, <laughs> you know. And then as soon as the real bullets started flying, they couldn't stop the run. They couldn't, they couldn't cover the pass. And they couldn't protect Ryan Tannehill at all. So, um, just take it all with a grain of salt, fellas. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it, it's preseason football. It's really watered down. You're not going to be seeing any of the uh, any of the crazy plays. I don't think – I mean, I know Gates is trying to install his offense, but I don't think he's going to pull the curtain back too much. Um, and, uh, you know, we're probably not going to see a lot from the Giants either. I know they have a new coach up there as well, um, but they're going to be running the same offense that they ran last year. So those guys are all pretty comfortable. So I don't really think that there's going to be, uh, you know, strategically much that we're going to learn <laughs> from this game on Friday. Unfortunately, I am excited that football is back, but um, not so, uh, not so keen on, on the idea that we're actually going to see anything uh, of merit on Friday night. That's going to give us any kind of clue as to what we're going to see when the uh, regular season starts. Yeah, more than likely not. And that's just the way the preseason goes, but listen, football is back. It's a time for Dolphins fans to overreact even more and freak out and flip out and for beat reporters to freak out. Um, it's going to be fun, and I'm going to be at the Yankees game. We got tickets. My sister got me tickets uh, to see Alex Rodriguez play as the last Yankees game. So that's going to be fun. I will have the game on my phone. I'll be using up all my data, and my wife will get mad at me. And unlike um, Sutton, I'm not going to get any on Friday night, but it is what it is. So anyways, let's, uh, <laughs> let's get back on track here. Uh, Sutton mentioned that we text each other during the show, and we kind of uh, – say insult each other over the course of 45 minutes and Sutton and I talked throughout the week with McKinney James likes to James or radio I should say likes to show up on Tuesday night pretty much at 8 30 and says hey everybody I'm here um but but yeah so Sutton texted me so let's see special teams Sutton just touch on that real quick before we move on yeah just just in the preseason game uh I just want to see who's returning the kicks and and how well they do heard a, a couple of reports Jakeem Grant fumbling a couple of punt returns and I just want to make sure he kind of gets a grasp on that and kind of a quasi game situation um, where he's, you know, handling the punts uh, effectively and then hopefully making a couple moves and seeing what we have in this guy because we've heard how uh, quick and fast this guy is. So I just want him to get his hands on the ball and and just see him in, in live game action. I'm pretty excited for that. Good point. And yeah, he's had some issues with catching the ball in camp. So we'll see what he does once the game uh, actually starts and, and the bullets start flying, so to speak. Just want to jump into the live thread real quick on the Finsider.com. If you're not with us on there, please do so. It's freaking hilarious. But uh, <laughs> the guy named Strange in there, uh, he said he needs to give story time to his children. Listen, I hope he's playing this podcast to his children right now because they will be asleep <laughs> in five minutes guaranteed. And on the other hand, I hope they're not listening to this podcast because it's getting a little crazy tonight. Uh, I think someone's had a little too much to drink, me included. Uh, my wife isn't home, and she's really not home on Tuesdays, probably because I do this podcast. 
But, hey, it is what it is. So, Strange, if your kids are listening, kids, go to freaking bed. If they're not listening, uh, Strange, I hope you're with us and you're not giving them story time right now. Just read a book about the Dolphins and we'll be all set. So, be <laughs> sure, guys, we are here until about 9.45, 9.50 or so. If you want to talk to us about everything that's wrong with the Miami Dolphins, call us. Area code 347-326-9461. Again, that's 347-326-9461. That is not a fake phone number. You call us. James will talk to you. He'll put you on hold, and we'll bring you on the air to ask your question. You can vent to us for about 10 seconds before we cut you off. But please, if you want to interact with us live right on the show, you are more than welcome to call in. We're going to jump to some uh, – we're going to jump right now to some Twitter questions since we don't have anyone on hold right now, but we have a ton of Twitter questions flying in throughout the day that started early this morning. So we're going to talk about that for a few minutes. Then we're going to go back to the scrimmage a little bit and talk about how the players are reacting. But here's one question from earlier today, earlier today, Esteban Saberos. He is a huge fan, huge fan of the Finsider radio. Uh, This is the third week in a row. He's asked a question. Maybe I will start following him tonight. I'm going to click this follow button right now. Esteban, I hope you're listening. Uh, you just got yourself a new follower for being a loyal listener. What's your take on the cornerback situation this early in the camp? Are media and fans overreacting or not? We are going to talk about this later, later but Sutton, I'm going to throw this one to you. Just very brief since we will be talking about it in just a little bit. But a uh, quick reaction about the cornerbacks. Yeah, the corners are a little bit concerning. I mean, we're – we're, we're ahead, having um, we, we have good we have good size and athleticism on the boundary. So um, once we get Xavier Howard back in the fold, we're going to have Howard Lippett and Maxwell. And hey, we haven't heard about anything with Maxwell sucking, so that's kind of a good thing. At least we have one good player in the secondary, perceivably, and hopefully Rashad Jones and Isaac Okudas too. Um, but, yeah, that, that other boundary is looking a little shaky right now with the injury and with it not really taking the bull by the horns. Um, I'm also a little concerned that the slot corner is a little bit thin, too. Um, you know, we have Bobby McCain there. Uh, Michael Thomas has been in there, but I'm not sure how well Michael Thomas does with the quick twitch athletes that we're going to have and going to be facing uh, in the slot there. So, um yeah, we're, you know, with the whole Chris Culliver looking into him, um, it looks like we're we're seeing how to improve this this group right now. All right, thank you. Another question from Rob Carruth, uh, at Rob Carruth on Twitter, two R's and then Ruth, or one R, then Ruth. Rob was one of my very first followers when I first jumped on Twitter.com, but he asked, how much should Dolphins fans expect to see of the starters and new offensive schemes on Friday? We kind of just touched on this in our last conversation I would expect to see them probably two drives since it is a new offense and a new head coach. I'd be shocked if they went off for three, but anything is possible. And the starters, um, the same thing, two drives, and then they'll start taking them out. Next question, and then we'll jump back to the player reaction from the scrimmage on the other day where the offense absolutely shit the bed. So Dolphins on Scouts, and his Twitter handle is at Dolphins on Scouts. He, he wants to know who starts opposite Maxwell. Do the Dolphins look to free agency and camp cuts to find another veteran corner? And either Dolphins on scout has pretty good ESP or that was just a uh, feather that he pulled out of his ass. Radio, your <laughs> thoughts on, on this? I know they signed Chris Culliver, but real quick, we're going to talk about Culliver later. But who do you think? Does Culliver start? Do you think Xavier Howard picks up the defense enough in time or is it going to be Lippitt or is 
Armando Salguero from the Miami Herald says Tony Lippity. <laughs> yeah, I'm, that's funny. I didn't, I didn't see that. Um, the, uh, you know, the Culliver signing. You mentioned it. We're going to talk about that later. Um, you know, I, he's coming off off an ACL. Uh, Adam Beasley had a hysterical tweet uh, this evening that said, if if you don't have a uh, repaired tendon or a ligament, surgically repaired tendon or ligament, you need not apply for the uh, 2016 <laughs> Miami Dolphins. Yeah, um, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I was um, – it's, it's everything I'm hearing out of camp and everything I'm reading and everything that's coming out of the coaches' mouths, they all seem to really believe in Xavier Howard. They they think that even though he's going to miss time, they said he's going to be ready for week one. And, uh, you know, all, from what the players were saying to you, from Maxwell, what, what Byron Maxwell was saying about, about Xavier Howard, what he was seeing in OTAs, um, he sounds like the real deal. Um, so – Obviously, I haven't seen really anything out of – I saw Tony Lippett in limited action last year, and I actually liked what I saw. Um, you know, I, I think he can be a contributor. Um, but it's really it's, – honestly, it's just it's too early to tell. I mean, I don't know what we're going to get out of Culliver. There's a, a, bunch of, uh, a bunch of other no-names we got in there. So, um, you know, from what I'm hearing and, and what, what my gut is telling me is that Xavier Howard is going to be starting week one opposite Byron Maxwell and – and they all seem pretty confident with that. So um, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll buy into it. I'll believe it. Listen, if they're counting on a rookie who hasn't taken a single snap in training camp, I think that tells you a lot about the cornerback position. And talking about telling us a lot about what's going on, we hear a lot from the beat reporters. We hear from the coaches. We hear from the players, too. And the players on the offense weren't afraid to speak their mind about the offensive struggles. And – Surprisingly, but not really, they kind of fired back at the media. And here are some quotes. Brandon Albert, I don't know why everybody's getting their panties in a bunch. We'll see <laughs> when the time is right. Where He continued, we're one week into training camp. The defense is doing good. I don't think we're doing that bad. We're still trying to grasp everything. Everything ain't going to be perfect. Everybody wants to get on the offensive line, but we'll get it down. Jarvis Landry said, Quote, we've got a lot of work to do. We need a positive first play. Mike Pouncey also chimed in and said something of the sorts that I would hate to be judged off 10 plays. Let's wait until the preseason begins and you start to see our offense. Michael Thomas on the defensive side of the ball. Quote, these last couple of days we've been getting the best of them, but they've had their times, they've had their days. Um, Gay's again, pointed out that they didn't play very well. He was very upset at the offense and he was going to tinker with some things and, and, but he really wants to wait until the exhibition game. So let's go, let's go review these quotes and Sutton again about Mike Pouncey, where he says, I would hate to be John judged uh, after about 10 plays. Right. Like I said earlier, you know, a very, very small sample size does very little in, in terms of a whole scale evaluation. So, um, and, and Max Himmelrich had an article um, er, earlier today on the Finsider that talked about, you know, we just need to take a kind of a wait-and-see approach right now. That's really all we can do. We have such little information to base all of our judgments on. And I know we're all, like, super excited, chomping at the bit that football's back, and we just want to start, you know, micromanaging and diagnosing everything right now. But – Ultimately, we need to just see how this unfolds and see how these competitions play out, see um, what injuries transpire, 
um, all, all those sorts of things. We we got to see how the offensive line comes together. We got to we got to see all sorts of things. So, um, again, just taking a fluid approach to all this in the preseason. I think Mike Pouncey really touched on that. Um, interestingly, you know, for the offense, I want to see you know, the resiliency factor. I think that's something that we want to see from this team. We want to see a little bit of grit. So hopefully it pissed them off a little bit and hopefully that they come out and, you know, fix whatever the issues were going on during the scrimmage, whatever they perceived them to be. Let's get them fixed and move on and and get this thing clicking. All right. Radio, uh, talking about now Brandon Albert, where I just mentioned his, his quote there, where he said, I don't why, I don't know why everybody's getting their panties in a bunch We'll see when the time is right. Your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, that's kind of exactly what I was saying at the beginning of the show. But, yeah, I mean, he, he hit the nail on the head. It's uh, very, very early. Uh, traditionally, defenses uh, do start off faster at the beginning of training camp because the offenses are, you know, putting new new schemes and new systems in place. It's a little harder to pick that stuff up. Um, but, you know, just ultimately there's there, there's a long way to go here. And, you know, quite frankly, last, the offense last year in preseason looked awesome. <laughs> and we all saw what happened when the regular season started. So yeah. maybe it's good that they're struggling. Like, you know, maybe, you know, it'll temper expectations. It'll maybe get them out of their own heads and, and you know, get their noses in the playbook and be like, we really need to figure this stuff out. Because, I mean, last year they were just dominating. And, uh, you know, and like I said, we all saw how that turned out. So um, they're learning a new system. Give him some time. Uh, Brandon obviously knows a lot about football. He's been, uh, you know, this is what his eleventh training camp. So. Wait, you're, you're telling you're telling me that the players know more than the people do on Twitter and us? Shocking, right? Uh, yeah, that that's is what I'm, very that's what, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> so, wow. So, I thought yeah. I thought we knew more than them. Um, it that depends very, on the subject, is, but <laughs> that is very interesting. I'm gonna have to take that into consideration when I start talking to people on Twitter now. Um, Jarvis Landry, he said that we have a lot of work to do. We need a positive first play. Wasn't that the freaking quote every single freaking game last year with Joel Philbin? We need a positive first play. We need a positive first play. We need to start out fast. We need to start out fast. We need a positive first play. Is this going to be Philbin 2.0? No, it's not going to be Philbin 2.0. Let's not get our panties in a bunch, as Brandon Albert would say. But people who are getting their panties in a bunch are those on the finside.com. Again, this live thread, if you're not watching this live thread on on the Finsider.com, there are over 80 comments on there, and there are like three questions. People are talking about people's (laughs) lives, about going to airports, about standing on the runway and getting run over by an airplane. Um, It's just absolutely wild in there. And Sutton and Radio, they're they're my guys to monitor this for questions. So Sutton and Radio, any of you have any questions out of those ridiculous comments in there? Um, I did see there was uh, one in closer to the beginning that was asking why we were talking about Deion Jordan so much uh, because he's yeah, probably not going to do. Well, we haven't not this week, no. So I was going to say we were we're on a nice on a nice roll, but that person mentioned it, so now I'm going to talk about yeah. it. I guess. Wait, way to freaking go, dude! PC <laughs> principal, Jesus. <laughs> but the, it's like it's uh, like yeah. it's like when you're in, it's like when you're in auction fantasy draft and you don't want that player, but you put him up in the beginning, so everyone bids on him, and then you, you're just sitting there laughing in the corner. PC Principal is probably <laughs> listening to this podcast right now doing the exact same thing. He psyched himself out there. Yeah, so, I mean. <laughs> All right, go ahead with that. <laughs> yeah, no, just I, just just real quick on Deion Jordan. We, we don't have to talk too much about it. Yeah, I like I said, anything he adds to the team this year, I said it uh, the previous two podcasts, will be 
you know, a cherry on top would be just there. I know they're not counting on him. Uh, read an article today about him uh, maybe being, you know, his biggest contributions coming if he makes the team on special teams. And he's actually made some pretty big splash plays on special teams when he's uh, been available. Uh, he's blocked a, blocked a punt and also returned a uh, blocked field goal almost for a touchdown in the, uh, in the Lions game uh, two years ago. So, um, you know, he's uh, definitely got a proclivity to make some plays when he's on the field. So if, if, he, if he makes the team, he, he could be a contributor. That's all we were saying. Uh, do apologize for, for talking about him so much. If it's, uh, if it's irritating <laughs> you, let's just never – we'll never speak of him again until, uh, until the regular season starts, if he makes the team. Yeah, uh, Strange, uh, that's, his, that's his name. He's Strange, I guess. He asked, what are we looking for on Friday night? We've already addressed that. Chris Culliver thoughts, we're going to address that right after this. Do we have any other questions that you guys have found on there? Yeah, I saw something on there. This is from Agent J78. I think he's he tweeting asked, me that he's drunk, so buckle up, folks. Well, <laughs> damn, let's do this thing. So he <laughs> says, who do you think will be a surprise breakthrough to make the team and have an wow. impact this season? That's the best thing um, in that whole thread tonight. Deion Jordan. Deion Jordan. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, No, a guy that's kind of coming out of nowhere for me um, is Chris Jones. Uh, Seeing the depth chart that got revealed and some of the plays that I've heard that he's been making and they're at the D tackle position. He seems to have leapfrogged Jordan Phillips, which kind of concerns me, but it's kind of cool that we got him from the Patriots and, and hopefully we can do a Belichick to a Belichick. So um, you know, turn turn their acorns into some apple pie. So let's uh, hopefully this guy can keep making plays and uh, hopefully beat out Earl Mitchell because I, you know, I, I've said this kind of long, so I'm sorry if I'm sounding like a broken record, but um, Earl Mitchell just didn't have a very good year last year, and I'm not very impressed uh, with him at all. And I think he's a costly person, and I would like to get rid of his contract as soon as possible. <laughs> Remember when he was the first day signing a free agency? Holy crap! Oh, oh man, what a disaster! Could we have could we have like Earl Mitchell and Dallas Thomas just like go off somewhere together? Like in Daniel Thomas, Thomas too, though. Deal. Daniel Thomas, Daniel Thomas. Don't forget about him. Oh yeah, well he's probably not going to make the team. Well, well, or they'll cut him and just resign him in like week six or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Come I need to yeah. I need to read this to you guys off the live thread. Griffin Van Ness. Oh, he went on a freaking rant. Holy crap! Just just listen. <laughs> Grab your beer on, buckle your pants, take your pants off, do whatever. Is it just me? Is it stupid to have us wear orange in the color rush game? In parentheses, right, which I'll be attending with 145 nut jobs. Hope that includes him. When orange is also a primary color of the Bengals, they should wear orange or black and we go with aqua or white. Having us wear orange is just another example of a stupid money. No Dolphin is going to wear the old orange jersey, so now they will market all new ones for a single away game. And for the record, I never really liked that look. So when I go to the game, it all aqua head to toe. Griffin, thank you for that comment. Um, I've been really, I don't know what the color rush jersey is going to be right now. It hasn't been announced. But there's been a picture circulating around Twitter from NFL Leaks account. That is wrong. Uh, please do not look at that. I believe one this year, one of the teams is going to be an all-white, and the other one will be the color rush team. The home team will have the option to pick which color they're going to be wearing. But we'll be finding out pretty soon. I'd be surprised if it was all orange. I think it's going to be um, either all aqua. It could be – I heard there was a talk about a gray uniform or a navy uniformish. 
So we might see that as well, or they might just wear all white, which would be kind of be, you know, kind of a letdown since they wear all white anyways. But I don't believe that that photo that's been circulating around is accurate. Um, you guys have any other questions on there? No, I did want to hop in real quick on that uh, that color rush one. I did I did read that, and he makes the point. The Bengals are – that orange is their primary color. So um, that could be kind of confusing and kind of strange. Um, I, I would imagine unless they went all black, which is the absence of color, right? So um, yeah. that wouldn't really – that would be the absence of color rush, I suppose. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I hope it's not all orange. I, I, I think all blue would be actually pretty cool. Uh, I would like to see that. That would be nice. And then when they play the Patriots in the color rush game next year, then you got a whole other problem that you got to deal with. <laughs> but, but the thing with alternate jerseys is it's weird. People don't know the rules. You have to have a three years. So the alternate uniforms that they wore last year, they're going to wear this year again, which has already been announced. And they're also going to wear them next year. So there's different rules that are going on there um, that the Dolphins need to follow and the rest of the NFL need to follow as well. And again, I'm not sure what the color rush jersey is going to we'll have to see. It's early in the season, so we'll know. I think we're going to know everything right away. But that will come out sooner rather than later. Before we move on, we, I think we've addressed a lot of our questions in a live thread. We've been trying to get to all of the questions on Twitter. We might go a few minutes over tonight and, and talk and take some more questions. But I do want to bring in a caller right now. I've been wondering where Johnny was, a.k.a. Alpha 6. He wants to talk running backs. Johnny, welcome to the show. Uh, I just even quite – having a little fun in there um i hear you clearing your throat sounds like you're ready to ask us a big question well i have i have some instructions and a question this is well, for please, don't, please please don't talk about our wives okay number one <laughs> <laughs> all right when, when um, I'm, I'm sending i'm sending a monkey over just right. uh, accept accept the flowers and don't fight them what's your instructions you to write me a little handwritten note with some ransom writing no on no it? that 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 was it just accept the flowers and don't <laughs> fight them <laughs> all right what do you got about running backs well i don't know if you yeah if you if you talked about running backs you know well aren't you freaking the top, listening the top, you don't know if we talked about running backs yet well, well i i came in a little late but but uh, the excuses I, here we go yeah, the top three, Arian Foster, you got J.J. and Kenyon Drake. Yeah. Uh, total total durability concerns on all three. Oh, yeah, of course. Kenyon Drake with broken bones and Jay with his knee and Arian with his uh, Achilles. Yeah. Which ones do you – are they going to make the entire season, any of them? That is a great question. And, Johnny, thank you for calling. You are a dedicated listener, a dedicated – uh, commenter on our live thread and dedicated tweeter. So please do continue to call in. Um, but that is, that is a great question. I mean, are they going to survive the year? I don't know. They all have injury history. Jay Ajayi with the knee, like you mentioned, uh, Arian Foster with the Achilles. It's really going to be an interesting thing to watch. And if these guys start going down like flies, I know Adam Gaze, you know, there's only so much magic that guy can work. Sutton, what do you think about this? Yeah, I mean, we, we do kind of have a, a fragile position, and uh, I don't mean that as a slight towards the players, but just, uh, you know, just there is some injury concerns there. But we have to remember that we can release Daniel Thomas at any time and pick him up at any time <laughs> after that fact. So we always kind of have a plan. We always kind of have a plan cue. So 
Um, we we can see what we have in Isaiah Pete and Damian Williams and see if if they can get anything clicking to see if uh, uh, maybe they can push for a spot there. But it really seems doubtful um, considering uh, the way it's it's shaping up right now. And uh, again, hopefully with Arian Foster, I would much rather take him at a hundred percent for eight games than have him at eighty two percent for all 16 games. I want to see the Arian Foster that we know um, can run the ball and catch all the backfield and just be a, a matchup nightmare. So that's if he does go down, I want to make sure that the level of play when he is on the field is kind of what we're used to expecting. All right. Johnny, again, thank you for calling. Uh, we hope you enjoy the rest of your night. Feel free to tweet me all night. I'll be up waiting for you. Uh, moving on, I do want to get to some more questions because you, the fans, and we're fans too, don't get me wrong, but you, our listeners, are what drives our show. So I do want to get to all those stuff that we that were asked on Twitter today. One question from Jordan N. Hicks at jhicks03. My biggest question mark is depth. Do we have the depth to survive the normal one or two big injuries? And, and I don't know. I don't know, Jordan. Uh, that's why I said that I'm going to be watching the younger guys in preseason. I'm really excited to see the second and third string. I know that sounds weird, um, but just because of that alone, we need to see what kind of depth the Dolphins have, and that is going to be something that we watch. Radio, I'm throwing this next question to you from Ryan Greenhaw. at Ryan Greenhaw. He's going to, uh, with the recent news on Howard, oh, he asked something about that was earlier in the day. Um, He asked, with the signing of Culliver, good move or too many ligament issues for one (laughs) offseason? Well, uh, we did we did touch on that that one a little bit earlier as well, and um, definitely uh, definitely concerned by the amount of uh, injury questions that this team has has brought in. There are a lot of question marks, and I'm assuming that they just figured they're going to bring in a bunch of question marks, and some of them are going to they're going to hit on some of them. I mean, they've had success in the past. Grimes, Brent Grimes, with this, the Brent Grimes signing from a couple of years ago, he was coming off an Achilles, and um, you know he was he was out of this world for two seasons, um, you know, uh, with the team. So, you know, it's, there is precedent for uh, having success for the Dolphins, having success, bringing in these, these reclamation projects and giving them kind of like prove it deals and then having them come in. I think, you know, I think Alonzo and, uh, and Foster Kiko Alonzo, the middle linebacker and Arian Foster, the, uh, the running back are uh, prime candidates to, uh, to, to really produce well. Cause those are high level players that are still, you know, still young enough to where they can, they can come back and, and be really special, um, I think, as long as they can stay healthy. Um, so the one thing is, uh, yes, there are a lot of injury questions, and there, you know, and that plays into how does the depth play out. But you know, I'm, I, I think that they are deep enough to, to to cover some injuries. It just depends on where they're happening. Obviously, at corner, they are under fire right now at the uh, cornerback position, so they can't really afford to lose much there because outside of Byron Maxwell, they don't have any proven commodities. So. Um, you know, we'll see how Culliver does, um, you know, throughout training camp and, and if he's able to stick. But, I mean, it's going to be kind of a wait-and-see game. You know, I I actually feel pretty good about it. I don't know why, but, uh, you know, I normally am a am a, <laughs> a doom-and-gloom type Dolphins fan, but I actually feel pretty good about, you know, a lot of these uh, reclamation projects or question marks that they've uh, that they brought in this offseason. So uh, we'll see how they play out. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's not going to be – I don't really think it's going to be a season – you know, where we're going to be seeing the Dolphins going into the playoffs or anything like that. So, um, you know, it's going to be, uh, you know, going to be watching a lot of young guys and, and seeing how these, uh, how these guys uh, bounce back, the ones that they're bringing back from injury. So 
that's how I feel about the uh, the depth. I guess we'll kind of kind of have to wait and see, but um, I think it's going to be it's going to be fun to watch one way or another. All right, next question up for Sutton uh, from at BT Parrothead. One of the best beat reporters in the nation, Omar Kelly, his take is that the offense we are putting out on the field is basic, so should be no reason to struggle. What's your take? I mean, we should really just uh, digest everything Omar says and really simmer on everything and really stew about it and really study the intelligence of everything that he has to say. Um, (laughs) Obviously, there's a little bit of sarcasm in there. Um, obviously the, the opening stuff's going to be vanilla. You kind of have to start with a foundation and then build from there. I mean, you can't just start going with flea flickers and, and fumble rooskies the very first, you know, training camp day. So of course it's going to be a little bit vanilla to start off. And I mean, that's, there's got to be a basis for every offense. You know, those, those, the, the short passing game that seemed to evolve for most teams, um, those kind of routine basic plays that are timing plays that really can't be screwed up unless, um, you know, the, the execution is not good from an offensive standpoint. Um, but anyway, of course, you know, like I said, it's going to be conservative at first. And like you said earlier, um, we're not going to give much away in terms of the plays that we draw up. Uh, going into week one, going into Seattle. We're just, it, it's not in anybody's best interest to be um, putting that kind of information out in the world to, to take advantage of. So, of course, we're not going to put ourselves at a competitive disadvantage and, um, and do something complex. We're going to keep it simple. Right, absolutely. And then our uh, last question that we're going to take from Twitter tonight, at Zombie, will we ever score again? Uh, zombie? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, Zombie. We're going to have to see starting Friday night. All right, let's let's uh, let's wrap this up. Oh, just one more comment. It's not a question from Biggie at Ian693. says, Tannehill will have to have more freedom at the line, but that won't make him release the ball quicker. He is absolutely correct. We'll have to, uh, have to watch this in the preseason. He needs to improve in that area. And then uh, Kaneology at SFS Sports Nut, SF Sports Nut says, that's the biggest dilemma can you coach instincts, feet, awareness? If the answer was yes, we should have seen it by now. And I have to agree with him. Uh, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to watch Tana Hill and whether his instincts and his, was he being held back by anybody or have we seen the best of him already? All right. Let's talk about Chris Culliver for a few minutes and then we're going to wrap up the show, but I know we've already touched on him a bunch tonight. I just want to talk to you guys about who he is. For those who don't know, they, they signed him to a one-year deal. He was a signature free agent acquisition of the Washington Redskins last offseason in the spring, signing a four-year, $32 million deal. Several months later, September 14, to be exact, he was suspended one game uh, for violating the personal conduct policy following misdemeanors that had occurred in March 2014. In November, coincidentally, he tore his ACL and MCL and was placed on injured reserve. They, the Redskins, per Armando Salguero of the Miami Hero, decided – to bring Culliver back, but then thought about it again and, and said, no, he's not um, not worth the finances that we'd have to invest into him. That's when they signed Josh Norman, who we know came from the Carolina Panthers. We don't know what, what Culliver's knee looks like right now. He had reconstructive knee surgery about nine months ago. He's 27 years old. He was productive with the 49ers. Uh, he got a nice deal from the Redskins. He's six foot. He is 200 pounds. He's in his fifth, fifth season and started 26 games. He has seven career interceptions. We know the Dolphins need help. 
Uh, it's very filled. The contract is very filled with incentives. He can earn up to $5 million. Is this insurance for the Dolphins? I don't know with Xavier Howard on the shelf. Radio, I'm going to throw this to you. I know we've all touched on Culliver a little bit, but really just very brief. Uh, what are your expectations for Culliver in this Dolphins defense? And, um, saw, and we'll go to you after that. I, I I did think the move kind of uh, it did reek of uh, of desperation a little bit, just given the uh, the off the field issues and just the uh, the all around uh, you know knuckle pedery of this particular player. Um, I I don't know if you touched <laughs> on the uh, the um, the social media gaffes that he's had over the years as well with the uh, you know the anti gay comments that he made before the 49ers Super Bowl appearance with the Ravens. <laughs> Um, and then uh, I believe he did something about uh, – he had something on Instagram of uh, suggesting violence towards women or, or something like that I was reading about earlier today. Um, so, you know, those, those, those are always troubling when you get, you know, uh, the less, less cerebral type players. I'm doing air quotes right now. So, um, but, you know, the, the talent – he's been productive in the past, you know, somewhat as a, as a third corner. So if they get – you know, Xavier Howard comes back and he's able to start, then Culliver maybe could be your answer in the slot. Um, that's where he was at his best with the, uh, with the 49ers as that number three corner in their defensive scheme. So, um, you know, it could pay off. Again, it depends on the health. Um, from the way he played or was playing in Washington – uh, last year, he wasn't. Uh, I don't know if he was actually if he was living up to his uh, his lofty contract status or not. Um, but you know, he's still young. Um, so if he can bounce back and, and be a contributor, then uh, I mean, it's definitely a position of need. We've we've touched on that a lot. So he's got a full training camp to uh, you know to kind of absorb the defense and, and see where he fits in. Um, I think ideally he would make a uh, you know a, a solid uh, nickel nickel or third corner for this team behind Maxwell and then, uh, and Howard when he comes back or Lippitt, if Lippitt's able to uh, lock down that number two job. So um, I guess we'll, it's kind of wait and see, but you know, I'm not, not terribly excited about it, but I mean, at the same time, it is a, uh, a position of need. I was kind of hoping they were going to bring in uh, Leon Hall, someone who's familiar with the defense and kind of add another veteran presence back there. Uh, he did sign with the giants last week, so he won't be joining the dolphins this year, but uh, maybe Culver can give us that kind of, uh, that kind of presence. And, you know, hopefully he's learned from some of his mistakes in the past. Yeah. Radio is interesting that you use the word knuckleheadry, which uh, <laughs> I love invented words like that. They sound so <laughs> awesome. Um, but one of his off-the-field incidents involved brass knuckles. So I thought that was just poetic, what you did there. Yeah. And I don't even know what you did there. <laughs> it was awesome. Anyway, um, yeah, the, the, the injuries are obviously a little bit concerned. But, uh, you know, like you said earlier, Radio, we don't really seem to care that much about injuries. And, and frankly, it seems like everybody has an injury history. So let's, I mean, let's just – sign people and let's get people to play for our team um yeah with with cornerback and with Colliver, we need to see what the contract looks like you know is this you know strictly a depth signing or are we expecting this guy to start and i think we'll be able to see from the figures that he gets in his contract if we do indeed sign him um if it hasn't been official yet um but in terms of talent everything that i've seen is he produces when he's on the field 
It's just, you know, it's kind of the Arian Foster effect. Uh, it's, he's very productive when he's on the field, but how often is he going to be on the field? And that seems to be the ultimate question. There's a lot to, to talk about with the cornerback situation. A lot over the next few preseason games. Are the young guys good enough to step up, or are we going to have to go through another season where the Dolphins try to scheme to protect their cornerbacks and really try to cover up their weaknesses? First preseason game on Friday night against the New York Giants. The Dolphins will travel up to New York. First look at head coach Adam Gase on the sidelines running the show. First look at the new-look Miami Dolphins offense. First look at the defense under Vance Joseph. It's going to be an interesting time. Remember, don't panic. Don't worry about it. Remember, Cam Cameron went 2-2 two and two in preseason, and the fourth game no one really cares about anyway. So if you look at it, really 3-1. and one. The Dolphins go 0-4 in preseason. It's fine. Do not worry about it. The Patriots have gone 0-4 in preseason many times. All right, just relax. Enjoy the game on Friday. Enjoy watching the young kids play. Enjoy everything about football being back. And for those who are listening tonight, Tuesday night, Hard Knocks begins in just a few minutes, so be sure to watch that on HBO. But football returns in just a few days, and the Miami Dolphins take the field. It's going to be an excellent season. All right, everyone, thank you for joining us once again this week. We'll talk to you later. Hello, I'm Ashley Carmen. I'm Caitlin Tiffany. We're the hosts of Why'd You Push That Button, the Verge's show about all the choices technology forces us to make. We're back for season three, talking about questions like, why do you delete your tweets? And why do you type in lowercase letters that make you seem like a serial killer? <laughs> and why are you on an exclusive dating app? You're not that special. <laughs> We're releasing a new episode every Wednesday, and you can find us anywhere you typically find podcasts, which is Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts. So go ahead and subscribe and check us out. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, I'm Neil Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.